Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. The mantle is heavy. The sacrifice is great. And I tell you, Fresh Start, I know we have visitors here tonight that the sacrifice is going to get greater. It's going to get greater. I say that to anybody in the room. If you're pursuing his glory, the sacrifice will get greater. Your flesh has to die more the closer that you get to him. It's a fact. It's not my opinion. It's the word of God. So with every threshold that we cross, the closer we get to him, the brighter his glory shines. The more we see, woe is me. I am undone. I am undone. We need you, God. So we cross this threshold this weekend, moving forward into more years till Jesus comes of revival. We do what we know it takes for as long as it takes to keep the fire burning on the altar of our heart, to keep the fire burning in this atmosphere. We will continue birthing. We will continue moving forward, looking upward, asking for his glory. We will continue discipling, training revivalists. We will continue. The path is going to get broader, the demand greater, but we will continue. Evan Roberts said in Gina's dream, I wore this for my time, but now it's your time. You can read the revivals of old, my friend, but what's marking our time right now? I say fresh start. We continue to make a mark. We continue to make a mark. Lift your hands all over this building. Close your eyes. Sing the first part, Alas, this cross. Alas, this cross. Make it your prayer. That I must Tis not a task for me its weight is light for my delight is to do all that you ask of me and I'm turning now to see your face tis all that matters to me I live my eyes, Lord, hear my cry. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 14. I'm going to read it in two versions of the Bible, then I'll let you find your seats tonight. As I preach to you tonight, what I know is the word of the Lord for this moment and this time of this sustained revival. I did not realize how many possible messages. I don't, y'all know, I don't read a lot. I don't watch a lot of videos. I don't, this kind of thing. And it's not that I disagree. I just 
want to be hearing from the Spirit, but then when I do begin to do research and stuff, it verifies what God has imprinted on my heart. And some days or a week or two or three ago, the Lord gave me the phrase, apprehended by God. Apprehended by God. Apprehended by God. Apprehended by God. Going to Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Probably will not get through this without crying. So... But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Not necessarily material things Paul is talking about here. But he's talking about reputation, ambition. He's talking about earthbound vision. And he said, I have suffered the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish, as dung, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. That I may know him. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. If I can insert the word revival there, because that's what he means. That's what he means. Doesn't mean you're in the grave and you're coming up out of the grave. He means you're coming up out of spiritual death. You're coming up out of spiritual status quo. Not that I have already attained. This is the Apostle Paul, my goodness, that is saying this. <clears throat> or... That I am already perfected, but I press on, sustained, sustained. I press on that I may apprehend or lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has apprehended me, apprehended by God. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing that I do is I forget those things which are behind, then I reach forward to those things which are ahead and I press toward the mark and the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. If you will allow me to read this in the Amplified Bible, I will go quickly. Whatever former things that I had might have been gains to me, I have come to consider as one combined loss for Christ's sake. Yet furthermore, I account everything as lost compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, and the supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And, and becoming progressively more deeply, intimately acquainted with Him. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding Him more fully and clearly. For His sake, I have lost everything. 
consider it all to be mere rubbish and refuge in order that I might gain Christ, the anointed one, that I may be found as known in him, not having any self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own based upon the obedience to the law's demands, the ritualistic uprightness, supposed right standing with God, but possessing the genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Christ the anointed one, truly right standing with God, which comes from God by saving faith. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may become deeply and intimately acquainted with him, more strongly and more clearly, that I may understand the wonders of his person, that I may in the same way come to know the power flowing out from his resurrection, that it exerts over believers, that I may so share in his sufferings, that I may so share in his sufferings to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness even to death, that if possible, I may attain the spiritual resurrection that lifts me from among the dead, from among the religious, even while in the body, not that I have attained it or have already made been paid perfect, but I press on and I to grasp and make my own that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I have not captured and made it my own yet. But one thing that I do, one aspiration, I forget what's behind. I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press to win the supreme heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. Lift your hands all over this building and I'll let you go back to your seat. Father, let this word grip us tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. As you're going back to your seat, say that I may gain Christ, that I may gain Christ, that I may gain Christ. To forget the past does not mean that you do not appreciate it or that you are not thankful for what God has done. It means that you are not tied to the past because you know that in your reach forward, or in your reach upward, there is more. For the Apostle Paul, much of his past was out of alignment with God's way and God's ways. But in the natural, his, achievement, his achievements were epic. And his, if you allow me to use this word, his pedigree, if you will, was very impressive. How many know God is not impressed with our pedigrees? Come on. In the context of this revival at Fresh Start, both personal and corporate, this passage must be our cry to know him and to gain him, to apprehend that for which Christ Jesus has apprehended us. This revival race is not a contest, my friends. It is a discipline. And this passage of Scripture, as with others in the Word of God, I believe fits aptly 
to sustained revival for it shows us that even through someone like the Apostle Paul, the great apostle with revelation abounding, that the reach for Jesus never stops. The reach for his glory never stops. The reach for more never stops. I'm quite sure that we have been criticized for reaching for more. I do not say that from a victim mentality at all. I say that hoping that you will gain a revelation tonight that once you cry for more, you get a glimpse of how much more he has to give. And therefore, your cry for more turns into another cry for more. And you understand that the more that you press, that the more that you have to press. Because the moment that you stop pressing towards the upward call and the prize and the mark that is set before us is the moment that religion sets in and you begin to adopt and adapt ways to uh, to accommodate your comfortability and your platform and your program and your plan and thereby you leave the press and the upward call and you begin to pursue something that is never intended to be pursued. I believe with all of my heart that you leave literally from being a believer to becoming someone who is gathering things to have the appearance and the form of a believer, but denying the power thereof. So the reach never stops. If you know revival, if you really understand revival, the reach and the press never lessens. The sacrifice never lessens. And the apprehending is a lifelong goal. I said the apprehending of Christ is a lifelong goal. My sermon tonight is apprehended by God and our apprehending him is a lifelong process. This is why undoubtedly, undeniably, as we move further along in this sustained revival, even after seven full years, after having written a book about it, after having done this and that and this and that, you are always learning you are always growing. You are always uncovering revelation. It never stops. No one has the corner market on revival and the glory and the presence of God. If we begin to act like it, God will take us down a couple of notches. You got to understand that as we cross into year eight of this revival, the most important thing and the most important truth that we must understand is that I may gain Christ. Paul's, the apostle Paul's point was the thing that was driving him wasn't coming from an imposed expectation, but it was coming from an inward desperation to know Christ. 
Paul was not canceling the law because of all people. The apostle Paul understood that God himself gave the law to Moses. So Paul is not canceling the law and, and sliding the law. Uh, his point was that when you get a revelation of Jesus Christ, that it is not a set uh, of expectation that shapes your discipline. It is a fascination with him that motivates your pursuit. You finally understand that Jesus Christ has captured, he has seized your heart and your life. And you understand that because of that, now I must respond by seizing Christ. Christ has apprehended me, so now I must apprehend Christ. This, my friends, is Revival. This is sustained revival. Because as long as we live on this people planet, there is no way, there is not a way that we can fully grasp all that Christ is. Does that mean I should back off? That means you should press all the more. Because the more that you apprehend, the more of himself that he uncovers. This is why it troubles me even as I travel across this nation to see believers who are passive and who are settling for just so much of Christ. Let me tell you the reason why they can sit and they can just say, I'll be here for a few minutes and if I feel like it, I come back. The reason why they can say is because they have not apprehended Christ. scripts my life and I must respond by pursuing everything, by gripping everything in Christ. I'm preaching tonight on apprehended by God. This is the only motivation. Sustained revival to apprehend that for which Christ Jesus has apprehended me. We do not count ourselves, fresh start, to have apprehended. Fresh start. We do not count ourselves to have apprehended. But one thing we do, one thing we do, we press toward the mark for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus, apprehended by God. In the verses prior to this, Paul the apostle, who at one time dominated by pride, thinking religion and academic achievement were enough, he gives, if you look it up in the word, the verses prior to what I read to you, he is giving his list of accomplishment and temporal achievements. <clears throat> and alignment in the context of having confidence in the flesh. And he said things like this, circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, 
a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless, end quote. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul. But one encounter and one confrontation with Jesus on the road to Damascus. One revival encounter, my friend. And his vision and his perspective and his viewpoint changes. And now his language is like this. What things were gained to me, these things I have counted lost for Christ. His gripping, convicting words lay forth an aggressive mind and heart posture concerning proper spiritual perspective and pursuit, especially, I add, for personal and corporate sustained revival. I press on, he said. I sustain my press that I may lay hold, apprehend. I reach, I press toward the mark of the upward call, fresh start, everyone else that is here tonight and those watching online, the prize is Jesus, the prize is Jesus, the prize is the upward call, the prize is the upward call, the prize is the call upward, it is Jesus. We never graduate no matter our pedigree or our degrees from these verses. In the eyes of God, no quantity or quality of training, expertise, or experience is measurable against that I may know him. As we go into year eight, we take our vision to the fourth dimension. Come on. To the fourth dimension. The upward call, not to get things, come on, not to get a word. Ah. Give me more volume, Scott. Not to get a vision, a prophecy, a revelation. I'm all about that stuff that may or that may not come, but to take your vision to the fourth dimension, to the upward call, it is for one reason, that I may know Christ. That is revival, and that is the call of your life as a revivalist. Take your vision to the fourth dimension. Get it out of the temporal. Get it out of the book, not this book, but get it out of all of the books and get it up into him. Get it up into his realm. We have been apprehended by God. We have been gripped, seized, and arrested by God so that we can pursue and press toward the mark for the high call of God in Christ Jesus. It is an upward call. It is not a horizontal call, my friend. It is not a horizontal call. 
A chasing of earthbound, temporal pursuits directed by the nature of man and his fallen harabashikata thought processes, a copying and an echoing of stale revelation or no revelation at all, just talking points to sound important or pseudo-spiritual, the apprehension of our lives by God for the high call requires that we apprehend that for which we have been apprehended. In other words, God has done his part and he's waiting on us to lay hold of it, to reach for it, the upward call. Paul is not talking about salvation. He's speaking of a spiritual resurrection experience. I say revival. He's speaking about a spiritual resurrection experience that is possible now. Shout now. It is possible now in Christ. We live, oh, we live so far below the encounter and the experience that we should have in Christ. Our thought processes, our vision is so tied to the temporal that we do not understand there is resurrection experience every single day in Christ. It's a high calling of God in Christ Jesus upward fourth dimension vision his comparison Paul's comparison of the before and the after they look nothing alike nothing alike let me bear on this point Paul had prestige Paul had power Paul had popularity Paul had pedigree yet he says it's trash it's rubbish it's dung and he said, all that I have gained, I counted a big loss, a big loss in comparison to knowing Christ. How many can really say that today? How many can really say that? I mean, really, not a rehearsal of religious words, but a heart that's been apprehended by God because that heart has laid hold of it. And all else in our life has to die. All else. A.W. Tozer said, Paul knew something that many Christians have not learned, that the human heart is idolatrous and it will worship anything it can possess. Therein lies the danger of good things. We have surrendered evil things, bad things, oh yes. But we hold on to the good things and these we are prone to worship. Whatever, A.W. Chosen, whatever we refuse to surrender and count but loss, we will ultimately worship. It may be something good, but it gets between you and God, still quoting Tozer. I'm going to meet this man, Jesus, and then A.W. Tozer, come on, and Leonard Ravenhill. It may be something good, he said, but it gets between you and God. Whether it be property, family, reputation, security, or your life itself. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, quoting the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb 
and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. They overcame. We like to quote that verse, but we live far below overcoming. We live far below the overcoming life. I'm talking to you about apprehended by God tonight. We live far below the overcoming life, not because we don't claim the blood, not because we don't share our testimony, but because we love our lives, my friend. We don't even need to talk about to the death part, especially to American Christians, because American Christians are like, you want me to die? You want me to die to overcome? You mean I have to die? I don't want to talk about death. Do you have to die to overcome? You see, you live far below overcoming, my friend. You've got the pleading of the blood, and you've got the sharing of your testimony, but you, my friend, still love your life, and you will never experience true overcoming power until you die to your life. Part of the identification of the end time remnant army of God will be such. We're called to lead an army around here, but you look at me, fresh start, and anybody else that's here tonight, it is more than just decrees. It is more than just legislating something that you have learned. It is knowing Christ, the one who is in you, that gives you the power to make the decree. You gotta lose your life. You gotta lose your life. And part of this remnant will be have such an awareness of the apprehension of God for the high and the upper call that our temporal lives mean nothing. It doesn't mean we're not thankful. It doesn't mean we don't love people. It doesn't mean we don't love our families. It just means that we have conceded to the apprehension of God for the upward call. And that which is pulling me upward has a greater influence than that which my eyes have been on in this realm. And the byproduct of this concession is our lives and our lifestyles are built around a pursuit of an upward call. The upward call in Christ. The upward call is Christ. Nothing added, nothing deleted, Christ alone. And as a result, for all the dreamers, for all the ambitious people, for all of those desiring that your name be known. It's worth saying again. For all the dreamers, for all those with ambition and those of you who want your name to be known. The answer is the upward call, my friend. Everything that you need and desire is fulfilled in the upward call and wrapped up in what he needs and what he desires. We have a whole lot of what we need and what we desire going on in the body of Christ. But God says, I've got to shift this thing to where the eyes and the vision is not in this realm, but it is in the fourth dimension so that you stop getting the glory and I start getting the glory. Before Jesus comes back, he will have a church that gives him and him alone the glory. We love not our lives unto death. Death is the final test 
to overcome the spirit of fear. Jessica, come here. Clean these stupid glasses in Jesus' name. I don't know, you spit on them or put something on them, water or something on them. Anointed spit. Come on, somebody. Listen, death is the final test to overcome intimidation. And intimidation, because so many are up under intimidation, they are driven by this temporal realm instead of his eternal realm. Fear will keep you bound to this realm and stick. Come on, I said fourth dimension vision. Fear will keep you bound to this realm while God is saying, if you just turn your eyes upon me, you're going to understand that death will not mean anything to you. Oh, hear me now. I'm not just talking about physical death. Come on, American Christians. The day may come when we're called on to risk our physical lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But right now, just let me tell you, you got to die to your self-life. And when you do die, because death is conquered, hell is conquered, the grave is conquered, then we live with an eternal perspective and understanding that everything that I am doing here is for there, now is for then, I exist for him. Fourth dimension vision. But if you cling to this life, your vision is at best 3D or below. In other words, you have a tie to the temporal, forgetting that your search for significance is found in the reach for the mark to win the prize, which is Christ alone, for which God has called you upward in Christ Jesus. It's an upward call. It's not a horizontal call. It is in forgetting of the temporal and the accomplishments and the reach and the press towards the mark of that upward call that you find significance. And if this is priority, everything else is going to fall into place. So many are trying to do, and God says you need to reach. So many are trying to do, and God says you need to press for the mark of the high call. Searching for significance. So many people searching for significance in anything and anyone. Anyone else I will add but Christ. And that's going to leave you empty, and you're going to be on a constant chase for identity. Paul said, I press, I reach upward for the mark, for the prize, the high call. I meditated on the mark. Too many people referencing that. And I thought, you know, in the same book that we're reading this out of, a chapter before, Paul says something like this, that I believe is the mark because it's important. It says that we are to press toward the mark. We emphasize the prize in the upper call, which I am tonight. But I said, we can't bypass the mark. Holy Spirit, what is the mark? And it came into my spirit, Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind. 
You see, there's got to be, hang on, I'm going to read it in a second. There's got to be a reference point. There's got to be an indicator of what we're reaching for that is taking us upward. Are you with me? Come on, Fresh Start Revival, seven years. Help me now. And I said, what is the mark? Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Paul is talking about in our other scripture, in Christ Jesus. Everything is in Christ alone. So this scripture, he's saying, let this mind be in you. I believe this is probably not the only mark, but I believe it is the mark that we need to strive for because he says a lot in these verses right here, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself... Of no reputation, he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant, servant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death. There's death again. There's death again. There's death again. He became obedient even to the point of death, death on the cross, and he loved he loved not his life unto death. Therefore, I added that. Therefore, God has also now. Look, if you're reaching for Christ, God will take care of the rest. It said because that mindset, he said, therefore, God highly exalted him and has given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. Come on. Let this mind be in you. Reach for the mark. <sighs> Jesus set the mark with his mindset and his heart posture. And the result was that God highly exalted him. God took care of the call. God took care of the purpose. Y'all with me? God took care of the significance. Jesus set the mark. What mark are you hitting today? What mark are you hitting? The way I rephrase this is the mark is no reputation. Well, that takes a lot out right there. Bond servant, humble, obedient to the point of death. And because of that mark, that mindset, God highly exalted. Fresh start, are you getting this? Are you getting this? He was obedient to the point of death. Revelation says we are to not love our lives unto death. This must become a sacrificial mindset and a heart posture that connects us to eternity and not earth. You see, all that the enemy had, now death has been conquered by Jesus, but all that the enemy had was death. But if you choose to die, he can't kill you. A lot of people getting beat up out there, it's because they haven't died. And I know the devil's a bad devil. I know he does beat us up. I know things. We all know spiritual warfare around here, but you listen to me. Have you died? Have you died? Because some of the things that are bothering you right now may not bother you if you have died. Some of the things you're complaining about, some of the things you're getting up under. Some of y'all watching online when you should be in the house here tonight. Some of y'all, you got up underneath something, have you died? 
Have you died to self? Because when I die, he can't kill me. Apprehended by God. Because death is the last hold from which to break free to pursue the upper call. Death to self that breaks the ties to the temporal so that eternity can call the shots in your life and not you. So that eternity can call the shots in your life and not this temporal realm. I'm going to try it again because that is too good. Death to self that breaks the ties to the temporal so that eternity can begin to call the shots in your life. This is revival. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection. And what was that power? That was power over death. Are you getting the picture? The only power to conquer death is resurrection. Revival! You have people walking around like spiritual mummies or whatever in the world in the body of Christ today filing in and out of dead, dry churches and atmospheres. They have never been told that you need to die so that resurrection life, how revival can erupt. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. When true revival soul dying to your soulish nature is easy because true victory is found in apprehending the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he did not do. He died daily. So the mark is the mind of Christ. Let this mind, this attitude, this heart posture be in you. But you cannot have that mindset and that heart and that vision if your soul is tied to the temporal. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it is not of the Father but it is of the world and the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. The world is passing away, my friend, yet that is where your loyalties are. Our vision rests and our identity is found in this world. Everything, is, everything in this world is tied to lust. Everything's tied to lust. A passionate desire, a sensual appetite. I speak of those in the church, not those in the world. Are you with me? Lust is strong, my friends. It has no mercy. It has no boundaries. It always demands more. It is no respecter of person. Lust will apprehend you too. Have you apprehended the God of this world as it has apprehended you? The lust of the flesh. 
pursuing anything of convenience to your human nature and your flesh, the lust of the eyes. Ah, I want to say that one again. The lust of the flesh is pursuing anything of convenience for your flesh, anything of convenience for your human nature. The lust of the eyes is inordinate captivation with external materialism, inordinate captivation of external material. And the pride of life uh, is pride for applause. It is self-sufficiency, self-righteousness. It is, it is, it is, it is pride in what you are and what you have become. If you read the same Bible that I read, that never works out well. Lust and pride has an appetite and it will demand to be fed and this is where you discover in your life if you have made Jesus Savior only or if you have made him Lord. You and I have been apprehended by God and that is not a thing to be taken lightly. You have a choice with what you're going to do with it. You have been called, but you can resist it. I want to add this. You know, it's one thing to love. It's one sacrifice to love God. It's another kind of sacrifice to fear God. And don't you come up and tell me that you love God if you do not have the fear of God in your life. The fear of God is the awe and the reverence and the respect of God. That you can't look at that pornography. You can't go to those places you can't listen to that music you can't negotiate about this habit or that habit and tell me that you love God you do not love God if you can still habitate with those things in your life because there is no love for God if you do not fear God much of the church today wants the love of God because the love of God is affection but they do not want the fear of God because the fear of God demands submission this is why you hear a lot oh love 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 that is a mantle students where are you that that is all of y'all look I've, we the knowledge of the holy you understand that if God is one thing, God is all things. Are you with me? You cannot just gravitate to the love of God and take out his holiness, my friend. You cannot just gravitate to the love of God and take it. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. For everything, there's a season and a time for activity under heaven. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. He has planted eternity in the human heart. Second Corinthians chapter 4, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The things which are seen are temporal. Fourth dimension vision, the things that are not seen, fourth dimension, are eternal. Are you with me in this place? You can try to ignore it in this place, my friend, or throughout your life, but divinely implanted on the inside of you is an eternity, is eternity. It is in your heart. It is in the deepest part of who you are it has an eternal stamp upon it and what you do with that is your own will God lets you choose but the pull of eternity
authority will always be on the inside of you. There are many things that you can control in your life and some of you are sitting in this room tonight controlling it yourself. But you hear what I'm saying? There is one thing that you cannot control and that is the pull of eternity. You have no say. You have no say in the matter. Eternity is in your heart. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter who you are, eternity is in your heart and it is pulling. It is drawing. It is an eternal longing. God has placed this eternal pulse that cannot be stopped. And because of that, you will always have an awareness that there is more. You will always have a longing for revival because revival is more. The return to who and what you were made for, to major worship, made for his pleasure. Anything that takes your attention and anything that takes your allegiance from this is an idol and has caused you to compromise your position and eternal purpose. And when you're in that state, my friend, you need to lift your vision from this realm to that realm because you need revival because there is an eternal pull towards the more. I believe and we have believed and experienced in this room that Revival is the return to the eternal hunger for the more that pulsates on the inside of you. So the only hope that Satan has is to try to dull or slow or to deafen that pulse beat that's on the inside of you by amplifying the temporal realm. The God of this world and the spirit of this age will grip your souls, literally creating a soul tie. A super glue effect to the things of this world. I have often wondered over and over, 38 years of ministry, most of it in pastoral work, some traveling now, 25 years of that pastoral work here with my husband, I have wondered how can they keep going back to the world? How can they keep going back? What is the attraction of the world? I have the answer for you or for someone you need to know. At some point, they did not cut the tie. They did not cut the tie to the temporal. At some point, they decided I can still exist and act like a Christian and look like a Christian, but keep my tie to this temporal. This is what Satan hopes to accomplish because then he creates a soul tie. The grace of God has put on the inside of you an eternal pulse beat and the pull upward. I said the pull upward, but the more that you ignore that pull and that tug. You listen to me, friend. That grace is going to run out. You can enjoy your life, but it will never truly satisfy. Jesus wants you to have a good life, but he doesn't want it to satisfy you. It will never satisfy. You may act like it. You may try to convince me. You can argue with me all day long, but I will look at you and say, you, my friend, are not satisfied because you have not made Jesus Lord of your life. You are tied to the temporal. This world is not our home. We have got to cut the tie. It's an upward call. 
You can't go upward if you're chained here. Your vision cannot see his realm and the, and, the, and the possibilities of eternity if your eyes are so focused on this temporal. C.W. Lewis said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, then the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. You can resist the pull. Some of you are trying right now. You look at me. You're going to be miserable. You want you I pray for my lost loved ones? Make them miserable. Like, That's easy for you, Pastor Kim. And, no. I mean, do you love them? cannot walk into the more while you're chained to the lesser. There's a constant tug of war in the inward man. The one that wins is the one that you defer to. Y'all, defer to the pull. Not the tug of the temporal. Defer to the pull of eternity. I'm going to work this out. I read a quote some time ago by a man passed away named Wade Taylor. And I want to read it to you because some of y'all need to, y'all need to get this. This is what he said. Listen. He said, we're continually being forced to make decisions concerning, concerning these two choices, eternity or the temporal. The way we respond to react to each of these will greatly affect the spiritual growth and development. Spiritual things are desirable to those who have been born of the spirit and are spiritually minded. Therefore, a higher purpose in view. Watch this. The Lord made the tree of life very ordinary and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil very attractive. The tree of life is the person of Jesus Christ. And if you know your Bible, it says something like that he appears as being a root out of a dry ground having no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no outward beauty that we should desire or choose him. If you know your Bible, you know that's in there in some way. In other words, when you look at Jesus from the, this realm, from this level, from this vision, from this perspective, when you look at it, it's like, well, that's not attractive. That's not fun. That's no fun. You see, the church for the last two, three decades has been having so much fun that they don't understand. They don't even know fire. They, they don't even, and that's totally out of the question. And that, because fun has become the level. Fun has become, if we can have fun, I'm not here to offer you fun, my friend. I am here to offer you and eternity with Jesus Christ. And if you don't straighten up. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, this man says, was pleasant to the eye. It was good for food. It was to be desired. It appeals, he says, to every aspect of our flesh life. Still quoting. Thus on the surface... A temporal self-centered life appears to be very attractive. However, 
It offers no true inner satisfaction or eternal reward, end quote. Which tree are you drawn to tonight? Those watching online, which tree are you drawn to? Which tree are you drawn to? If you're going to flourish in revival, you've got to cut the ties to the temporal. And the only thing that can do it is the pressure of his presence. Come on. The only thing strong enough to break the ties to the temporal is the pressure of the presence of God. You say, well, Pastor Kim, I don't want, I don't want to be so heavenly minded that I am no earthly good. Well, I tell you that you will never be any earthly good until you are heavenly minded. I'll try it again to make religion mad. I don't want to be so heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good. You will not be any earthly good until you get heavenly minded because you and yourself in this earth thing that you got going on, in this temporal thing that you got going on, hey, hey, I can look like them, I can act like them, I can dress like them, I can talk like them, I can this, 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 this. You got all that going on, but you have no Holy Ghost, no anointing, nothing. You couldn't even cast a fly off somebody, much less the demon out of them. You hear the word of the Lord tonight. If you're going to go anywhere with God, you got to cut the tie. I've had it up to here. And I am old enough to have it up to here. You hear me now. Trying to be cute trying to be pretty, trying to be hipster, trying to be in, trying to be this, trying to be that. Look, I want you to have nice clothes. I want you to have nice shoes. You get all that, but on the inside of you, there better be some substance of an eternal realm that when you face, ha, 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 when you face, come up here, Justin, come up here. When you face the world, in and out of prison, drugs, alcohol, sex, everything that you can imagine. When you face them, do you have something on the inside of you that can speak to the demons that are on the inside of them? One day, God liberated this man of God because somebody had the atmosphere of heaven to set him free. So don't give me, I don't want to be so heavenly minded I'm no earthly good. Pa! We all kinds of stupid things out there because of that. And we're reproducing carnality. I said we're reproducing carnality. Carnality will beget carnality, my friend. Flesh begets flesh, spirit begets spirit. And you look at me. I'm winding this up, my first closing. <clears throat> you take a step away for a moment from earth and time and all that you know right now, everything you know right now, everything, good, bad, whatever. Look at your eternal choices right now, heaven or hell. Nothing you choose over being apprehended by God and apprehending him will benefit you in that day when you stand before Christ. Nothing. Does that mean we're not supposed to do anything? We're not supposed to have anything? I didn't say that. But way too many, the things have them instead of them having things. 
Colossians 3. If you were raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. It is an upward call. Set your mind on things above. It is an upward call. It is fourth dimension vision. Not the things on the earth. For you died. There's death again. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to They love not their lives unto. Put to death your members which are on the fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. A verse that we quote often around here, whether it be for the praise team or in sermons, whatever. John the Revelator in chapter 4 said, after these things I look and a door was standing open in heaven. I said it's an upward call. And the first voice I heard was like a trumpet and the trumpet was saying, come up here. It is an upward call. Come up here. In the same book of Revelation in chapter 3, it says that those who overcome, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down on my father's, with my father on his throne. Forever we will be in the atmosphere of the throne if we are overcomers. And I alluded to it earlier, the qualifying statement is to him that overcomes. And this is more than just overcoming adversity. Come on, revivalists. Come on, revivalists. Look, you want revival? You better bet things are going to come against you. All the pastors listening, those in the room and those online, I tell everybody that I meet, you're going to have warfare. You're going to have warfare, but don't glorify the warfare. Glorify the one that has caused you to overcome. But this overcoming is not just about overcoming adversity. It's more about overcoming cutting the ties to the temporal. Are you with me? Cutting the ties to the temporal. You have to die to this life. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live, which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, I'm winding this up and we're going to run to the altar tonight. It's time to cut the ties with the temporal because in this eighth year of revival, God is requiring fourth dimension vision. You can no longer come in this place. Fresh start revivalists, those of you watching online that you'll be in here in the morning and I don't know why you're not here tonight. You've got to understand you're not going to make it through year eight with a third D vision. You have got to take your vision to the fourth dimension and you've got to die to everything that you are. This is the progress of revival. <sighs> the thought of God apprehending us for the high call should not be taken lightly because it infers a passionate, zealous, aggressive, seizing with eagerness, an impassioned pursuit, and a force, a focused obsession. Let me listen to Ms. Hershey. It was a leap of love and a sacrifice unto death for Jesus to apprehend us for the high upward call. Did you hear what I just said? And yet we're content with living here. We're content with what is in the temporal, the earthbound, humanistic, generated standards and goals. I say how we have missed the mark. It is an upward call. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. And at that point you can apprehend. You can lay hold of all that is Christ and not until. Come on.
we have erroneously adopted second closing. The viewpoint. When I travel, people don't get that, I'm telling you, but y'all do. Because y'all know it means nothing whatsoever. We have erroneously adopted the viewpoint. Watch this, watch this. That the call of God is ours to fulfill. Quote. So we take the responsibility of making it happen. And so what we're doing is we're running horizontally. With eyes on the temporal. And we're missing the mark. Because you can't have his mind when your vision's down here. And we've been doing this in the church for decades. Running horizontally, for all the runners in the room, would not be me. <laughs> makes perfect sense in a natural race, correct? But this is not a natural race. This is a spiritual race. And not just one person or one team gets the prize, we all get the prize if we run in the correct direction and the correct direction is upward. You see, religion allows you to run horizontally thinking you're going to reach the mark and the prize, but that is a sad misconception. Precisely what Paul was saying as he listed all that he had been and all that he had become. I was this, I was that, I've done this, I've done that, this is this, this is that, this was me, this was me, but he threw it all away that he might gain Christ. Religion has a counterfeit mark. It's external. Look at the external. Look at the external. This will not, this will not hold weight as you stand before Christ. Well, which way is the race, Pastor Kim? It's upward. Where do I look? Upward. What's the prize? Jesus. You mean I don't get anything? Yes. You get Jesus. You get Jesus. You get Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of these pursuits that you're running after will be added. Mm. So we're running horizontally and we miss the burden of the Lord because we've got our burden. Oh, I ain't done yet. I'd have punched at this thing for a minute. We're running horizontally and we miss the burden of the Lord because our eyes are here and we're running this way, not this way. And we're working in our imagined strength for our burden, not bearing the weight of the kingdom, but asking the kingdom to bear our weight for us. So I have a question that the Lord dropped in my spirit a few weeks ago. Is God using us or are we using God? I didn't realize until recently that somebody had already said that. I saw somebody writing a quote. And I'm like, well, thank you, Holy Spirit. Is God using us or are we using God? I'm telling y'all, it's a real thing. I'm telling y'all, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Is God using us or are we using him? Majority, we're using God. We're using God for our burden, for our horizontal race, to prop us up, and then we're commercializing it. 
When God needs us to mobilize in the body of Christ, we commercialize. My God is right. God needs us to mobilize and we commercialize. Commercializing something is something that is, that, well, I'll just read you the definition. Principally for financial gain. Profit oriented. <laughs> to manage or exploit an organization activity in a way designed to make profit. Is God using us or are we using God? Now you hear, full disclosure here. I have absolutely no problem with people in the body of Christ, five-fold ministry, getting what they deserve for the ministry and the anointing that they put forth. It's biblical. That's biblical. Biblical. And I believe in that. But it has gone way beyond that in the body of Christ. And I ask this the question, is God using us or are we using God? When you, look, look, in our vessel is a treasure, the Bible says. Without that treasure, we're just a vessel. Human vessel with ordinary thought processes. It's the treasure that matters. It's the treasure that makes us. It's the treasure that's important. Now, God thinks we're important. God thinks you're important. God loves you. God made you. God created you. But what Satan does is he comes in and he skews this and he takes the vision down here and he turns the vision here. You see, the Bible says we are to look in the word of God like a mirror, beholding the glory of God so that we can be transformed into the image of Christ from glory to glory. But what we've done is we've turned a natural mirror to ourselves, called Facebook. Come on, somebody. Whatever. I mean, you know, those types of things. And we're like, look, this is how good I look. This is how this, this is this, this is this, this is this. Understand. Understand the trick of the enemy. You say, what does this have to do with year eight? It has everything to do with year eight. It has everything, fresh start, to do with year number eight. Because the more, we need to get a fresh revelation to whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. He's given you eternity. What are you doing with it? He's given us eternity. What are we doing with it? To whom much is given, much is required. We turn this, we turn that into, into thinking, oh, actually, we don't even think about the much is required part. We just want the much given to us. Come on. The more that God pours into this place, the more that God pours into you, let's just take it individually, and I'll talk about myself, and you can talk about yourself. Come on. It's better than you talking about me and me talking about you. Hello, somebody. Which happens all the time. And y'all think we don't know it. Not our first rodeo, my friend. Not our first rodeo. And so the more that God deposits in me, the more responsible I am for dying to who Kim is. The more opportunity, the more the thing, the burden of the Lord that he lays upon me, the heavier the mantle gets. And as recently was prophesied, the tearing of the mantle for the purpose of multiplication, fresh start, that was prophesied to us. The more that that happens, the more that we have to die to who we are and get a revelation of the sacrifice that it takes because to whom much is given, much is required. And the only way that we will willfully do this and not 
stop negotiating around our fleshly carnal mindset is if we die daily to who we are. All these things, Paul says, I have been, but I count them as loss to gain in Christ. It's good. Stand up. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. This is not potty break time. It's not potty break time. I was told by Bill Jacoway. Can I talk about you, Bill? The former pastor of this church whom we dearly love. They had uncovered a recording from years ago, which by the way, the man of God that was speaking was Shirley's father. And he was speaking, and I don't know if he knew it or not, but Brother Rod, he was prophesying that this church was gonna reach, and he named almost the exact places that I said we are going to go on our Pray Americas in target territory. Years ago, years ago. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. We've been told that we should get our best life now. But that is not true, my friend. Part of the context of that I understand is, 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 is the abundance of God in the abundance of God in your life now I don't disagree with that but you can't make it only about here you see there's an upward call there's a prize there's a mark that you have to hit that I have to hit and this says if we're going to do it then we have to lose our life love not our lives unto death to lose your life means you let go of having it your own way the disciples left their nets the Bible says am I correct the disciples and Jesus said follow me and, and they left their what they left their nets in those nets was their identity their future and their livelihood now for me I can leave a net any day but it's not my identity my livelihood and my future but you fill in that blank Abraham I'll give you the promised child. Abraham, go sacrifice that child. They left their nets. The contrast in Mark chapter 10 was the rich young ruler. And he came to Jesus. He told him all the things that he knew and he had done. And Jesus, the Bible says, this struck me the other day as I was reading this. The Bible says he looked at him and he loved him. Hear the word of the Lord right now. He looked at him and he loved him. And he said, one thing you lack. Are y'all seeing how close this is here? How close this is? Eighth year of revival. He said, one thing you lack. One. Because you have done this, 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 this one thing you lack 
You see, Jesus loves you and love will speak truth to you. And he said, you got to go give all your money away. And the Bible says something like this, that his countenance got sad. When, when something is being challenged in your life, does it make you sad? If that one thing is being challenged, does it make you sad? Because if it's making you sad, it is an idol, my friend. And he said he had to walk away because he lacked one thing. Yet the apostle Paul said, this one thing I do. Forgetting what's behind, I press, I reach up. Thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. You can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.